Psalm chapter 1, if you're able to, let's stand together. We'll read the scriptures. Psalm chapter number 1, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous." The Lord knoweth, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And with this, of course, being the first gathering, it was going to be and designed for the first Sunday of the new year. But I want to preach on this subject matter on a happy and a holy new year. Happy and holy. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll share some thoughts from the scriptures here that I pray will be a help and a blessing to us. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for being able to gather together this evening. Lord, I'm thankful for a church family, Lord, that even on a Saturday night we get together, and uh, Lord, church is important, and uh, Lord, church family is important. But most of all, the preaching and the reading and the teaching of the Word of God is important. And so, Lord, thank you that we're able to gather together this evening. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this passage of Scripture. Would you teach us something and uh, challenge us now? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I'm not sure how many times over the past week that I've said or had said to me, Happy New Year. How many have said that at least once over the past week? How many have had it said to you? We've had a great time of celebrating, and as the old adage says, out with the old, in with the new. And uh, we had a great time gathering together on Sunday evening, and uh, surprisingly, on uh, how many stayed, and not just all the teenagers or the young folks that stayed around, and uh, some that maybe would say they're not so young, but they made it. And uh, I do pray that starting the old, that coming out of the old year, coming into the new year, that you've been able to leave some failures and leave some bad times behind as we look forward to a wonderful new year. Now, listen, it's not just a happy year that I'm praying that you and Granite State Baptist Church has in 2024, but I'm praying that we have a holy new year with the Lord. And not just the whole year. I mean, I'm already praying. I make it through the whole year. I'm not talking about that type of whole. I'm talking about a holy new year, H-O-L-Y. And here in Psalm chapter 1, which is a great truth, and listen, it's been preached, it's been memorized, it's been quoted over and over. Uh, Brother Nick asked me, he said, what are, you, what are you preaching? And I said, I'm going to Psalm chapter 1. He said, first passage I ever memorized. 
And if anybody ever went to Reformers Unanimous, first passage that you memorize. And uh, Psalm chapter number one. And there's some basic truths that God was speaking to my heart out of this Psalm chapter one that I believe can help us have a, a happy new year, but I believe a holy new year also. And so Webster's definition uh, for the word holy means hallowed or consecrated or set apart to a sacred use or to the service or worship of God. And that's what holy means, consecrated, set apart to a sacred use, or as we would define it, to the service or worship of God. And I want to ask us as we're entering this new year that what is it this year in your life, your actions, or your purpose can be set apart and be holy unto God. Now listen, I'm not just talking about your personal life, but I I mentioned in there your your actions, that they would be holy actions throughout this year, and they would be holy purposes. How many have found out? I got to look at you now. That gets blurry when I'm looking up in their reading glasses. I can't look in your eyeball and see what your expressions are. How many have found out that there are some people you come in contact with and they've got great uh, actions, but they don't have the right purpose and motive behind it? You see, there is a difference between having holy actions and holy purposes. And so I'm praying throughout this new year that it, it would not just be happy new year, but we would have a holy year in our life, our actions, our purpose, our service for the Lord. You say, well, pastor, how can we have that? We're already six days into this year. Listen, God's given us an extra day this year to be holy, an extra day to be able to live for him. And so in some cases, I've looked at it and said, yeah, that's just an extra day to fail real big in my life. Okay, God, why don't you start taking days away so I'm not failing? But listen, with God's help, it can be a holy year. With God's help, it can be successful. It can be set apart for the cause of Christ. And there's a few things that I see here in Psalm chapter one that I, by God's grace, he'll help us with as we look at it. First of all, I see that there needs to be a separation from ungodliness in your life a separation from ungodliness. And that's what it says in verse number one. You see that word blessed could actually be in the very definition of the word blessed or blessed means happy. Blessed is who? It's the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scorn of the scornful. You see the progression that's there. It's been said over and over. It's been taught that you see the, not the progression, I'll say the digression of a person's life right here. That first of all, they are walking a certain way, but then they are standing in a certain company, but then they go beyond walking and standing, and now they're sitting. 
They're making themselves comfortable. If I can put it this way to you, with those that maybe spend time in the city or walking downtown, get themselves in trouble on a street corner. That they're walking by the street corner, and then there's an old friend that's there. And so they're walking that way, but then they stand that way. Well, then before you know it, they've gotten too comfortable and the old friend says, why don't you come over and sit with me for a while? And you see that progression that is there. The council would be the way, the, the council and the way and the seed of it. The council would be the advice or the input that you receive from an ungodly person. Can I remind us that you ought to be getting counsel from those that are going to give you godly counsel from the word of God? You say, oh, I've, I've got a whole bunch of counselors. How many have ever tried to give someone counsel and they've already gone to 20 other people and they're just trying to find that one person that's just going to tell them what they want to hear? Everybody comes up to them and they say, hey, what do you think about me doing this? Every one of them tell them that's not a good idea. Then they walk up to that one person. Oh man, I think you ought to do that. Well, then here's what they say. I got counsel on it. Yeah, they don't tell you it was 20 to 1. They don't tell you that over and over and over. Someone said, don't do that. But that is the advice. The counsel is the advice or the input. But the way, as we see that in verse number one, in the way of sinners, that's the association with them. That's when their name gets mentioned, your name gets mentioned. It's all bad friends. It's all bad company. I wonder how many people have ever blamed over the course of humanity, blamed their bad actions on bad company. You see, that's actually the first blame game that got started. Because when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what's the first thing that Adam did? And, and guys, listen, boy, we mess up royally when we do this. What's the first thing Adam did? That woman. <laughs> How many of us blame it on the woman when God said, no, and then goes to the woman. What'd the woman do? She didn't even throw her husband under the bus. Wasn't that so sweet? She threw it on the serpent, said, well, that, that serpent beguiled me. Listen, from the beginning of time, we've been playing the blame game, beginning of time, been dealing with the counsel of the ungodly, been standing in the way, that's our association. But then when we sit in the seat of the scornful, listen, that's our fellowship or intimacy with them. And you see the progression that we go from just their advice to now we're associated, to now we're fellowshipping and we're intimate with them. Can I say it, you'd be a whole lot better off to just separate from the ungodliness in your life? I don't know how many times I told you closing out, the, closing out last week, closing out the year, that I was in three different prison services. The women's prison and men's prison here in Concord and then the men's prison last Saturday night at this time up in Berlin. I don't know how many times I've given the same advice 
that, listen, when you get out of here, you can't go back to the same street corner. You can't go back to the same old friends. They're sitting there and they're waiting for you. But listen, I've given the same advice walking right out of a church service or walking right out of that office over there of saying, listen, you can't go back the same way. You want to live a holy life, there's got to be a separation from that which is ungodly in your life. You cannot tiptoe around with it and play with it throughout this year and think that you are going to live a holy life before God. So yes, there does have to be some separating. There does have to be some, hey, I don't want that in my life. People that are saying, listen, I'm trying to to, to make some differences in my life. And here's what's been said. Boy, we've had to cut off a lot of friends. And this is before salvation. This is before calling upon the Lord. I've just had to get away from some of those because there were bad influences on me. I don't say, hey, it's okay. No, I say, hey, good for you. I told someone who was getting out and, uh, well, actually they might be just getting ready to go in. And, uh, when I was making the visit and, uh, and talking with them and I said, I said, listen, I said, you know, you can't go hanging out the same places. And here's what the lady said to me. She said, no, I know. She said, I got to delete their phone numbers out of my phone. I said, you're right. I said, listen, it's not even deleting your phone number. I said, I mean, their phone number, because they still got yours. I said, I'd recommend getting a whole different phone number. I said, they can't track you down. But listen, we talk about that all out here in the world, when here it is, right here inside of our church, and we're saying, I want to have a, a holy life for God this year, and you'll walk out and go do the exact same things that got you into trouble in 2023. Hey, listen, if you want to live a holy life, then don't put the same channel on the television when you go back home. If you want to live a holy life, then you don't sit down and read the same books that have the same filth inside of them. If you want to live a a holy life, listen, you don't put it on the same radio station or the same DVD coming on. Or listen, I know you're past DVDs and everything, but uh, whatever you uh, devote, whatever it may be that you've recorded, (coughs) I still hear people say, set your DVR. And I'm saying, you know, there's sometimes you, you just separate from the ungodliness in your life. If you want to have a happy new year, if you want to have a holy new year, then stay away from ungodliness. You say, what is ungodliness? Can I very simply define it as this? Anything's not like God. If it's not, listen, it doesn't line up with who God is in this book. It's okay to get rid of it in your life. It's okay. Separation from ungodliness in your life. But then the second thing that I saw as I read down through here, not just the separation from ungodliness to be able to have a holy and a happy new year, but I also see that there needs to be stability in the word of God. Starting in verse number two says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That word delight, if you go back and study, just get a simple definition. It means a high degree of pleasure or satisfaction. Delight. 
That means there's nothing that makes us happier than spending time in the Word of God. I wonder this, and and uh, you don't have to raise your hand, just answer it in your heart. I wonder if that's our attitude towards coming to hear the Bible, whether to hear it taught, whether to hear it preached. Does that describe, does, is, is delightful and delighted, is that the adjective that's used in relation to the Word of God around our house? Oh, our parents pulled the Bible out. Ah, oh, Dad. You want to live a holy life? You want to live a happy life? Listen, stability in the Word of God. I understand there's going to be times that, listen, it may be it may be all the way up, it may be all the way down, and your Christian life is more like a roller coaster than anything else. You know what the goal is? Listen, let's try to level that thing out and get stability when it comes to the Word of God. Focusing on faithfulness. I, I think I heard that in the past couple of weeks. Here's what he said about delight. Webster said this. He said, delight is more permanent pleasure than joy and not dependent on sudden excitement. It's a more permanence inside, in our hearts, more permanent than just regular maybe joy or happiness. It's not dependent upon sudden excitement. In other words, it's not here today and gone tomorrow. (coughs) I'm not going to ask how many have already failed at what their goal was for starting to read the Bible this year. After all, it is January the 6th. But you know something? I'm not going to say you failure. What I am going to say is, you know something? Tomorrow's a brand new day. And guess what? I do believe that everybody here has a little extra time tomorrow morning. To be able to get back into the scripture, it's a great time to be able to get that restarted. I see the delight that causes stability in the word of God, but then I also see that there's a dependence that causes stability in the word of God. He says this in verse number three, talking about dependence. He said, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, here's the analogy that's being made here is that the person, the the blessed man, the happy one, the holy one, they're the tree. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The rivers of water is the word of God. And so what he shows for an object lesson here is that just as the tree depends upon the water for nourishment, and for fruit bearing, and for healthy leaves, so we depend upon the Word of God for holiness, and for nourishment, and for fruit bearing, and we depend upon it, and stability. You know how it is, and you watch this, what is it if you try taking care of a plant, and you only water it once a month? That's the way it is around my house if we have a plant once a month you say well it it, it might be able to come back but then for the next month it's all withering and then you get a spark of water and you, you, you throw it in there a little bit of nourishment and boy it comes back a little bit why is it that christians are like that on a regular basis 
that they get a little dose of the word of God and then, oh, that's good. I, I got what I needed. And a month and a half later, you see them and they're like, I need something. It's just falling apart. And they get back in and get a little bit of the word of God. And they're like, okay, I'm all good now. They go for another month and a half and they come back in famished. Wouldn't it just be better just, just, just be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that just depends upon it and says, listen, we're going to bring forth fruit. We're going to have healthy leaves. You can tell the difference between a tree planted by the river and one planted in the middle of the desert. As we were driving down the Jordan Valley over in uh, Western Israel, I, I told you that you could tell as you were driving down through there, we couldn't see the Jordan River about a half a mile away, but all the way down through there was just a little green line all the way down. You could tell exactly where the river was. Why? Because the vegetation, the trees and the bushes were all just feeding right off the Jordan river. And that was the only green streak down through that area was that which was right beside the Jordan river. Psalm chapter one in object lesson, be like a tree planted. There's stability in the word of God, but it takes delight and it takes dependence. But then I see in the last three verses, verses four, five, and six, I see not just the stability in the word of God that we need, but I see that we have security in our walk with God. Security in our walk with God. He starts in verse number four, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. First of all, there's a removal of unknown direction. A removal of unknown direction. The ungodly are not so. What are they not so? They're not like the tree that's planted. In fact, they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You ever tried to, uh, just think about this, when it comes summertime and you're mowing your grass again, there is hope. Summer's coming, okay? When you're mowing your grass and the wind's blowing, just go ahead, I dare you to try to figure this out, take a handful of that cut grass when the wind's blowing and you throw that up in the air and try to determine where every piece of that grass is going to be going while it's blowing around in the wind. You say that's impossible to do. Yeah, but that's what the ungodly are. They're like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. You don't know where it's going. Ephesians chapter four, <coughs> actually describes the same thing, says, be not as children that are tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine. You don't know where they're going in a path of life. But listen, I'm thankful that I have security in our walk with God, that I have a set direction that I'm following. You say, well, how do you have a set direction? Why can't I have a set direction? You can. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 119, Verse 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
You say, I, I want to get rid of this and, and remove the unknown direction. I'm tired of just flopping around and, and going every which direction that, that emotions and, and feelings tell me to go. I want a set path in life. That's going to come from the word of God right there. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, and it shows me where I need to step and where I need to go. That's what the word of God does. It removes that. But then I can also, there's also this, a resting in God knowing the path that I'm going. Verse number six says, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Have you ever, you ever wondered where you were going? Now I'm not talking about, I mean, there's been times you ever tried following someone and they knew a shortcut <laughs> and you just get to that point and you're wondering where in the world are they taking me? You ever tried to follow a GPS once sometimes? You, can I, you know something? GPS does not always take you the best way. Just because it says it's a road doesn't mean it's a road. Can I say this? God's never like that with us. You see, he knoweth the way of the righteous. You see, Job said this, and I almost preached out of Job 23 for today. Because Job said over there in chapter number 23, he said, listen, he said, I, I looked before me, I couldn't perceive him, uh, I couldn't acknowledge him, I looked behind him, couldn't perceive him, my left hand, right hand. David said something very similar. But then Job said this in Job 23, he said, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when I'm tried, I'll come forth as gold. Now listen, we can rest in God knowing, but there's a comparison all the way down through here. Yes, there's a, there's a removal of unknown direction. I know where God has us to go. And if I just follow what the scriptures say, listen, it's going to be all right in my life. If I want to have a holy life, obey that book right there. If I want to have a happy life and a happy new year, follow that book right here. Listen, there's choices that I see all the way down through chapter number one. I see, first of all, that it's either prosperity or perishing is what we have in chapter number one. Prosperity or perishing, your choice if you're going to have a happy and holy new year. But then I see that there's either stability or scattering in chapter number one. Stability of where God has for me and I'm planted and I'm rooted and I'm drawing and I'm producing fruit and I'm productive or I'm just like the chaff that the wind scattereth and driveth away. I can be stable or scattered. I can have prosperity or perishing, but then overall, listen, there's either being joyful or having judgment. Joyful or judgment. Blessed is the man. But then he says down here, verse number six, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let me ask you something here. The first week is gone. 51 more weeks in 2024. Let me ask you something. When you come to the end of this year, I wonder how many will have to look back at 2024 and say, well, that time perished wasn't productive for anything. Or we'll be able to look back. We, we always say, have a prosperous new year. And may the new year bring you prosperity. 
I wonder if we'll be able to look back and say, you know something, it was a prosperous year. Or would we have to say it's a perishing year? Would we have to say I, I, I wasn't like a tree planted by the rivers of water? Would we have to say there was stability in the word of God? Or would the word scattering more de- describe us a year from now? So, do you have some stability in your, in your life this year? Well, not really. I was just all over the place. It's not what God has for us. Stability, faithfulness, joyful or judgment. I'll close with this illustration. Many of you will understand this feeling that I'm about to describe. If you had parents that raised you perhaps the way that mine raised me, and you've used this statement before, I've used this statement before, I grew up in a household that the Board of Education was applied to the seat of knowledge. And so I was educated over and over and over again. Yes, I was homeschooled. But you understand that feeling when things are right and the parents are coming home, you're joyful to be able to see them. But do you ever remember the feeling when they wouldn't tell you what time they're coming home, didn't have a cell phone, couldn't track their phone, couldn't see when they're coming. And you didn't know when they were coming around the corner, but you didn't get done what they asked you to get done. You know, there used to be a time that kids actually got in trouble for that. <laughs> Believe it or not. What? Hey, let's bring that back. Let's, bring, let's make obedience great again. That's my motto for 2024. Make obedience great again, okay? You remember that feeling when you you weren't in obedience to the parents and then they came around the corner? You know the difference between being joyful and judgments coming. Can I say this? I don't want to come to the end of 2024 and say, just didn't follow the Lord like I should. I want to be able to come to the end of the year and say, I'm awfully joyful because I obeyed the Lord. And I'm like that tree that's planted. Tree's not going all over the place. A tree has stability, planted by the rivers of water. It's going to stay right there where it's getting nourishment. Let me ask you something. I know you're desiring to have a happy new year, but is there as much of a desire to have a holy new year? Maybe there's some separation from ungodliness that God's speaking to your heart about saying, yeah, there's something here in your life. Separate from ungodliness. Maybe there's some stability in the Word of God that's necessary. And, and listen, just, just get into the Scriptures. You say, where do I start reading? I don't think you can read wrong. There's some places that would be easier for you. That's what we're here for. But maybe there's some security in our walk with God that we just need to follow the path that he has for us and, and trust him and keep taking one step at a time and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. It's my desire that God will give us a happy and a holy new year over the next 51 weeks.